Amen. All right. Well, get your Bibles out. And if you would turn into 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 2 Corinthians 4, I want to share a message with you this morning. Man, be here next week. Come on, be here. You can wear your shorts if you want to. Do whatever you want to do. Have some fun. We're going to have a good 4th of July and get to have some fellowship here at the church. It's about fellowship. I really believe with all of my heart, you know, we need to not just be within our own groups. We need to be as an as a body. We need to know everybody. We need to be able to function and flow because I really feel like we're coming into some days where you're going to need friends. Hello? You're going to need some like-minded people. You're going to have too much squash, and you're going to want to find somebody that's got some tomatoes. <laughs> you may have an extra bag of jerky and trade that for something else, you know? So I'm telling you, I really think we need friends and relationships. So we want to have a great day of fellowship and sit around here and have hamburgers. And then, of course, you got the big 4th of July fireworks at the, that's going to go off uh, in the park, at, but that's not till dark. And if you're like me, you'll have to find someplace to take a nap between then and uh, fireworks. But anyway, so be here for that. But I started, pre I preached this message last week. I started preaching it and I got to finish it up because I went real fast at the end and, and, and I just got to go back over it. Uh, it. It's too much. It's just God is trying to get us to learn to walk in the spirit. And the devil is getting us and twisting us by our tail. He's getting us into a place where he wants us to be thinking all the time about things that are of the kingdom of darkness, not the things that are of the kingdom of light. He wants us all the time to be walking by fear, walking by, uh, you know, anxiety, walking by anger, walking by judgment, rather than walking in love and walking in peace and walking in grace and walking in mercy, the things of the spirit that God wants us to walk in. Amen. And so as Christians, Christians are going to wake up. Christians are going to have to quit, quit just being members of denominations. They're going to, have to start being members of the body of Christ. And they're going to, have to start getting hold of really what truly it means to be a Christian. What does it truly mean to walk in the Spirit? And so uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3 says, But even if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled from those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, least the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God, should shine on them. So it's, it's always been the tactic of the devil to blind your mind. Now, I, I, I know this is, I mean, come on. Y'all are going to know this example, all right? Men, how come we can't find anything that our wife tells us to look for? It's, it's right there in the icebox. It's on the second shelf. And I look, and I look, I'm looking. I can't see it. I don't see it. And, and, and you know, this happens in multiple other things. But I don't understand. We men, we have tunnel vision. We can't see past what we're looking for where we think it was. And the wife just has to move it an inch or two, and we can't see it. It's gone. It's disappeared. And so I remember one time my wife, when, when my uh, family was over stationed in Hawaii, and, and she was gone, and I was there for two weeks, and I, I, I man, I ran out of a cup towel, you know, like a cup towels. So, you know, I'm wiping my hands and my britches and everything else, but I can't find any cup towels. And so finally I got on the phone and I said, where, where do you have the cup towels? I mean, you know, I've looked all over the house. I mean, I'm down to go have to go get a bath towel to bring in here because I can't find a cup towel. What's going on? And she said, Robert, they're right over the microwave. And I said, there ain't nothing over the microwave. And I went over and she said, Robert, they're rolled up right in the microwave in the little basket. And I went over there and I was as, I'm telling you there, I'd have bet you a hundred dollar bill. There was nothing over that microwave. And all of a sudden from the control of the microwave, I just had to raise my eyes as a few inches. And dear God, I just sat there and looked at it mesmerized. I was like, I don't guess I've ever even seen that there. And I said, when did you move them over there? She said, they've been there forever. And I said, well, I don't know. I, they always were just laying on the counter. True story. But that's how we are as Christians. We're walking around in life, and, 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 and God wants to bless us. He wants to give us. He wants to touch us. He wants to minister to us. He wants to show us the glory. And we're walking around saying, where's the cup towel? I can't find that thing anywhere. Looking right there on the counter, and when it's right here, it's the glory. And the devil knows this, so he wants to blind your mind. He wants to get you thinking, listen, in conjecture and supposition. I told you those are two words that have come up in my life. And, I, and I, as I got to, it's like the Holy Ghost has just been saying to me over and over and over again. You cannot live by conjecture. You can't just live by just supposing and guesswork. You have to live by the truth of my word. 
And so many times the devil just sends a little thought. Boom. Sends a little thought. Gets that thought in you. And then, whoo, you're off, man. You're going. You're mad. You're angry. You're, you're worked up. And it's a thought. It's a thought that came from down below, not from above. Hello? And now you're off. And you spent the whole day in conjecture and supposition rather than the truth, and you've lost that day. While God could be blessing you, but your mind's over here sorted in this thing, and man, he's just, I mean, this is his plan. This is his tactic. And so God knew what he was doing. God knew this. He knew this was going to happen. So he says, you know, Ezekiel 36, 27, I'm going to put my spirit down on the inside of them. I'm going to put my, that's my, that's my desire. I want to put my spirit in them so I can be living in them, dwelling in them, dwelling in my people, so they're not going to get taken off. That was always his, his plan. So go look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. 2 Corinthians 4, 7. The apostle Paul talking to the church at Corinth, he says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power of God, the power may be of God and not of us. Folks, right now, this day in life, we must be living in the power of God, not in the power of us. You're, the, the power of us is going to run short, but the power of God never runs out. He said, we're hard pressed on every side. Hey, we ain't crushed. I love this verse. This is the way I see Paul saying it, you know, kind of, kind of, kind of almost arrogantly, you know, he's just like, eh, hey, we're hard pressed and everything. Eh, hey, we ain't crushed. We're perplexed. Eh, hey, man, we ain't despaired. Persecuted. Hey, we ain't forsaken. <clears throat> Struck down. Eh, hey, not destroyed. Always caring about in the body, the dying of the Lord Jesus at the life of Christ may be manifest in our bodies. In other words, he's saying, look, the power of God's on the inside of me, and if the power of God is on the inside of me, there ain't nothing going to knock me off my feet. But we look at the world, we look at the things going on in the world, we look at the situations, and we start to let it dictate what we think our future is going to be. But the truth of the matter is, we've got to not live in conjecture and supposition. We've got to live in a life. We've got to live a life that we're living it by the power of God on the inside of us. Okay, so Colossians 1.24, it says, I'll just start verse 27, actually Colossians 1.27. It says, to them God will to make known what is the riches of the glory of the mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. God had this plan. It was going to be Christ in you was going to be the hope of glory. All right? Now, I went through this all, and I want to skip over this, this, this other part about trying to show you uh, this, because I think you got it. If you didn't, you weren't here last week, go listen to the message about, you know, we get it a natural thinking. You have Nicodemus coming to Jesus and saying, you know, what, what's a, you know, uh, what are we going to do? And Jesus said, oh, you must be born again. He said, what do you mean born again? I can't understand it. There's, there's always going to be this natural thinking and spiritual thinking. The woman at the well said, uh, Jesus said, Will you get me some water? He says, well, if you knew who it was that's asking you, you'd ask me, and I'd give you living water. And she says, you don't even have a bucket to draw from. In other words, there's, there's always going to be this natural thinking, right? And I said that you have thoughts that are in three categories. I just put it in three. You may have 15, okay? I'm just saying three. I got three categories. First category is a demonic thought. It's a thought that comes from hell that's to torment you. Okay? You say, oh, I don't have those thoughts. You do. Every time you get scared, every time you get in fear, every time. Listen, you might as well be saying, just, just listen, you're not going to like this, but you just heard the devil. I mean, that's the bottom line. You, you can say however you want to, but if it's not of God, it's of the devil. Okay? And then you have the thoughts that are just, you know, you're going to work and, you, you know, did you need to put gas in the car and what are you doing at work and your normal, you know, Things that are going through the day, need to wash clothes, need to clean this, that, need to go buy the groceries, wonder what we need going through. Those are just normal thoughts. And then you have godly thoughts. You have thoughts that make you walk in the spirit. Now, walking in the spirit doesn't mean that you're all up here, all woo-hoo, you know, twilight zone. But what it means is your thoughts are thoughts that are lined up with the word of God so that you can defeat the thoughts of the enemy. And you can, and then you can also find answers for the middle group of thoughts in your day. Because I come across things all day long that I don't know what to do. 
And I say, Lord, I don't know if this is the right decision or that's the right decision. Which is the one? I'm expecting an answer from the Holy Spirit. Okay? That's what it means to walk in the Spirit. It doesn't mean that you're walking every day with all the visions and dreams and revelations from heaven and you're just walking along and, and prophesying all day long. That doesn't mean that you're walking in the Spirit because you could just be crazy. What walking in the Spirit means is that you're going to walk in this life, but every day you're approaching it in the sense of, okay, Lord, are you, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going with you. I'm, I, what, what do I need to be doing? Uh, you're, you're, you're applying the Word to every situation that's happening today, and as you're walking along, whatever arises, Word goes on top of it. It arises, the Word goes on top of it. It arises, the Word goes on top of it. That's truly walking in the Spirit. That's Robert's simple definition, Okay. Now, look at this, Proverbs 22.10. Proverbs 22.10. It says, cast out the scoffer and contentions will leave. Yes, strife and reproach will cease. Do you know if you cast out the demonic thought, the contentions are going to leave? Do you know that if you get the wrong thought out of you and don't give him place? Do you know that if... The thought comes to you that is not of God. The thought comes to you and it, and, 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 and you know, and it's a tormenting thought. And you just say, look, I'm not dealing with you. I'm not talking to you. I'm not, I'm not going to address that thought. I'm not, I, that is conjecture and supposition that this is the way it's going to turn out. You're guessing. But I just know what the word says. The word over here says, I'm blessed. I'm blessed in city. I'm blessed in field. I'm blessed when I come, when I go, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. That thought is going to stop. Because now you have just taken the word of God, began to walk in the spirit, and that thought is going to stop. But you have to replace it with a godly thought. If you don't do it, you know what happens? Contentions and strife and reproach are going to be upon you. So if you can hear what I'm saying and really get this down in you, if you want to stop the war going on in your head, you've got to apply the word of God and you just got to defeat the devil. But it's actually not you defeating the devil. It's just you giving place to the word of God coming out of you doing the work. What's funny about that word, if you, it's just to cast out the scoffer. If you look up the, the word scoffer, the Hebrew word, it means the interpreter or the ambassador. Yeah, the interpreter from hell. That's lying to you about what's going on. All right? So... Ephesians 5.26 was the last, I think, the last verse I gave you all last week. It says that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of, of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. God wants you holy, without spot, without wrinkle, holy and without a blemish. No spots, no wrinkles, no blemishes. And holy. Now, he isn't going to desire that unless he has a way to get you there. And he's not talking about your outside flesh, because I'm telling you what, you know, it's on a downhill slope. I'm sorry. You think you're going to make it, but, the, you know, the bottom line is gravity's taking over. We're headed down. Just the way it is. He's talking about the real you. Listen to me. He's talking about the real you. He's talking about the, the real you, the spirit you on the inside. Not this earth suit that you're walking around. He's talking about the real you on the inside who's going to live forever in either heaven or hell. Okay? He's talking about that you not having a spot, a wrinkle, a blemish, and holy unto him. And he's got a process for doing it. He says he's going to take the word of God and he's going to use it to cleanse you and to set you free. All right. Now, I just want to go through. I've got time. I'm going to do it. I just got five simple little points here that I want to show you. It's like five steps. It's simple. You're going to say, oh, I know that. Well, then get it down. Write it in your Bible. Tell somebody tomorrow. All right, because these simple steps right here is what the world needs to hear right now, because people are in fear. People are people are freaking out. People are, are, are derailing in life and they need these things. The very first one is John, chapter three, verse three. 
Scripture, you know it. You know it. You're going to say, oh, pastor, we know that. John 3, 3 says, Nicodemus had come to Jesus and he answered and he said in him, most assuredly I say, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, listen to me. You got to understand something. The word born there means to be, to be begotten. That's what it means. You must be begotten to be born. And again, really means from above, yes, but from a higher place. It means from a higher place, like the kingdom of God. It means from the first, from the beginning, from the very first, anew, over again. So it wasn't like, see, when Nicodemus heard those words, you must be born again, he just said, he said to Jesus, what do you, I can't go crawl back in my mother's womb. What do you mean born again? And Jesus is not talking about that. That's what he perceived. See, God says beautiful things to us in his word, and then we take them and twist them around because we don't perceive what he's saying. We don't get the gist of what he's saying, so we get it up, get it twisted. Jesus said, no, no, no. What I'm talking about is you've got to be born from, you've got to have this, this birth, this like Adam was in the garden, like in the beginning, this birth that's going to come down on the inside of you fulfilling Ezekiel 36 saying my spirit's going to live on the inside of you and when that happens then your mind has the ability your spirit has the ability to perceive the things of the kingdom of God to perceive what is God and what's not so you wonder why sometimes somebody you're trying to talk to them and they can't understand why they should do what they you know love or forgive or whatever because if if you're not born again, you can't perceive it. It doesn't, it seems like foolishness to you. I don't know how many times I've ever talked to a person talking about their, their financial um, problem they may be having. And I always ask the question, well, or, do you give? And they said, give? What do you mean I can't give? I don't have, can't give. I don't have any money. How could I give? And I said, well, you got to understand the principle of the kingdom of God. This is given, you shall be given. Good measures pressed on shaking together and running over. So if you faithfully give to God, even if it's a penny, the widow gave a mite, and God said, oh, she gave more than all the rich people did. I said, it's a principle. Well, the natural mind can't understand that. How can you give? I remember standing in Guatemala, I don't know how many years ago, 20 years ago, standing in Guatemala looking at that hillside with not one house on it. When you saw that drone fly over and all those buildings, there was nothing when we started. And I remember standing there with Brother Ivan, and he looks up on the side of that hill and he says, man, I can see the kids. I can see them running all over the place. I can see the kids. I can hear their voices. I can hear them singing. And I said, I, I didn't say it. I said it inside. I said, I see a lot of work. That's what I see. A whole lot of work, Lord. And we started working. And we started just one at a time, just one at a time, one at a time. We were one of the first churches to build one of the houses there. We didn't, I remember Brother Ivan sitting down, he'd say, well, Robert, you know, you're a builder, draw it out. So we drew the thing out, we looked at it and thought about this, I had the kids in there, so we did it, so then, then we built it. And then we, we made some mistakes, you know, nothing major, but we saw some ways we could improve. And so then the next house that built, we made some other changes. And then so finally by the third house, we had it down, you know. And as you can see this progression of, oh, okay, here you go. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, they finally got it right right there, you know, and went on. And then I look at all those kids and I see them, you know, I'm just like, I'm blown away that we've gotten to where we're at, at the place, and now we're putting in the hospital and we're doing all that stuff. But folks, it took faith, it took vision, it took getting in there and walking by the Spirit, not listening because when you looked at it and to think that we could have been there at that place now, you know, then... I would have given up because, I mean, we spent millions of dollars and we didn't have millions of dollars. And I'm just saying, you just start doing that, but it's a, it, 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 the, you can't perceive it at least you're born again. Are you following me? You can't perceive what's going on unless you're born again. God wants us to have this place on the inside that it's Christ in you when you're born again so he can talk to you and fellowship with you and download into you the things of the kingdom of God. But see, the world a lot of times doesn't want to be born again because they just want to just do what they want to do. But Jesus says, no, I want you born again. I want you hooked up. It's like, how can you complain that you don't have internet if you never had internet hooked to your house? Are y'all with me? If you never had it, Wired in, 
You can't complain you don't have it. Well, the same is, you. if you're not perceiving things from the kingdom of God, then your problem is you may not be born again. And I hate to say it, but I really believe that there's a lot of Christians who are not born again. I really believe there's a lot of Christians who are just members of churches. I believe there's a lot of people who have never been truly born again. Because when you're born again, you know when you're born again. You should know when it happened. You should know what went on. You should know that something happened on the inside of you. You should know down inside your spirit, down in your nor, that you know that you know that you know that you know that you're right with Jesus. You may have messed up a thousand times. You may be messing up today. You may have still got it wrong. You still may be mad at the dog and kicking the dog every morning. But I'm telling you, you know down here that when it all boils down to it, the sky rolls back and God steps up, you're going to say, hey, dad. And if you don't know that, well, then you're not born again. You're just, you're just mentally ascended in your mind to say, well, I'm not so bad. I'm not so bad. Don't cut it. I've used this example before, but I hadn't used it in a while, so I get to use it again. That if I took all of y'all right now, we just, you know, we just voted made us a panel of judges here, and, and we lined everybody up from all the way outside all the way out here, and you just went up there and you had to confess your sin this week to the judge there, okay? And they wrote them down. Okay, so-and-so's got, you know, you know, two strikes here and three there, and, you know, did this and like this. And we then we lined y'all all up in order of who we thought was the biggest sinner this week. I mean, who did the, the real doozy, right? And so we put that person up front. And then the, the one that, I mean, you, you didn't hardly do anything wrong was in the back, and we presented you before God, none of us would get in. Because if you're trying to get into heaven by your works, you ain't going to make it. There's only one way you're getting into heaven, and that's by the blood of Jesus. Because somebody greater than you had to go make the sacrifice for you in order for you to get in. And so people have missed this step. They say, well, I'm not so bad. I didn't do anything really bad. Um, it's okay. God loves everybody. God's God of love. He loves everybody. He does. That's why he sent you Jesus so that you could have his blood applied to your life and the one that made the ultimate sacrifice for you so that you could be free, you could be whole, you could be forgiven. But without Jesus, you don't stand a chance. You don't stand a snowball's chance in hell of making it without Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Hello? And I believe the world has just tippy-toed around this and not said this and not just got out there and really preached it. And preachers have backed off and preachers wanted just to fill churches and they just wanted to just be seeker-friendly churches and not want to make anybody uncomfortable. But I'm telling you what, I don't want to see people go to hell. And I don't want somebody crying out when the trap door opens up, hollering, preacher, what did you tell me? I'm telling you. You got to be born again. You got to have Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of your life. There's no way around it. You're not going to get to heaven on your merits. Okay? So how do you do it? Romans chapter 10, verse 9 says, confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. It's that simple. It's not too far. It's not too hard. Paul says you don't have to go all the way to heaven. You don't have to go all the way to hell to find it. No, no, no. All you got to do is call out on the name of Jesus and say, Jesus, I believe that you're the son of God. I believe you died on a cross for me. I believe your blood is enough to wash away my sins. I'm looking to you. Help me, Jesus. And right there, the Spirit of God then downloads into you. <laughs> Boom! You're born again. And then you're going to know that you know that you know that you're changed. You're going to know that you know there's something different on the inside of you. Now, takes us to the second part, okay? The second part then is what's happened to a lot of Christians. This is a lot of Christians have then, they've had that born-again experience. They, at a, at a, as a child in a church and a revival and a, you know, something, they, they came and they gave their life to Christ. But then what happened is they began to sear their conscience because they began to not walk in the things of God because they wanted to do the things of the flesh. And so as they began to do the things of the flesh, they began to sear their conscience or sear the hearing ear of the spirit. Because folks, listen to me. How many of y'all know how you make calluses? You don't make calluses not doing anything. Righto? You make calluses on your hand by doing something all the time. You're hammering, you're twisting, you're wrenches, whatever. You start to develop calluses on your hand. But you could be a seamstress with a needle and you could have callus. Musicians, calluses on their fingers. Why do they have calluses on the end of their fingers? Because they're playing the chords all the time. They're pushing down and, and, and it hurts. And you de develop a callus over it. Right? 
So you keep doing the same wrong thing over and over and over again. You get a callus on your heart. Then all of a sudden you've gotten to the place where you're talking to Jesus and telling him how he should have written the Bible. Now, all of a sudden you think your opinion counts. You think you can make up and do whatever you want to and go against the word of God. You're, cal- you're, you're searing your conscience. And so therefore you can make a decision that is contrary to the word of God and you can do that and not feel bad about it. Why? Because you've got a calloused heart. So there's a lot of Christians out there that have callous hearts. So they're not walking in the spirit. They're still walking, listening to the devil. Yes, they're born again. If they die, I believe they'll go to heaven. But man, you're in trouble. I want to tell you something. I'll tell you why you're in trouble, because the Bible says in the last days, there's going to be a deception upon the face of this earth that even the very elect, even the ones that were the greatest could be deceived. And I believe right now is a time that we need to be seeking God and seeking his word and get all the calluses off. So there is a callous remover. It's called the Holy Spirit. The second thing is, is that you have to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Got to be born again. Second thing is you got to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Now look at Acts chapter 10, verse 34. In Acts chapter 10, verse 34, is the story of Peter. Peter, you know, if you read the whole chapter 10, he was up there. He's just like all of us. They just came home from church. He's up on the roof. He's kind of getting sleepy, but he's hungry. Hello? Sound familiar? So he goes to sleep. He has a vision. Of course, he has a vision about something to eat. So then the, the, the thing comes down, it's got the unclean animals. Well, I can't eat that. That's not right. You know, got Brussels sprouts and stuff on there. We ain't eating that. Mm, brisket, beans, potato salad. Anyway, so uh, God speaks to him, shows him, and he ends up going to the house of Cornelius. I got to hurry here. Verse 34, he goes to the house of Cornelius and Cornelius is telling him he had this vision. God told him to bring Peter there. So Peter gets up and he starts to preach. He said, he opened his mouth and he said, a truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. Because see, this is a Jew in the house of a Gentile, which shouldn't have been. And uh, let's see. And the word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. That word, you know, which was proclaimed throughout all Judea and began in Galilee after the baptism, which John preached, how God anointed Jesus Christ with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. And we are witness of all these things, which he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, and whom all were killed by hanging on a tree. Him God raised up on the third day and showed him openly, not to all the people, but to the witnesses chosen before God, even to us who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that it is he who was ordained by God to be judge of the living and the dead. And to him all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive the remission of sins. Now, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell on all those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished as many as come to Peter because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then Peter answered, said, Can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. And they asked him to stay a few days. Now here... Here, I love this story because God messes up Peter's theology. Okay? In his theology, you had to get, you had to get saved asking Jesus to come to your life first. Then you had to get water baptized, and then you could receive the Holy Spirit. That was Peter's theology. But God's theology was he saw some hungry hearts. He saw some people that were hungry for him. Because he's seeing the hearts of the people out there. He's just, Peter's just preaching. He's going through his 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 sermon on how to make Jesus the Lord of your life. All right? And while he's doing it, boom, the Holy Spirit falls on the people. They knew it because everybody's in there speaking in tongues. They all went Pentecostal on him in a second. And he's like, whoa, wait a minute. You can't do this. You got to get saved first. I love it when God messes up the preacher's thinking. Y'all with me here? What I want you to see from this is, The heart of the people is what caused God to move. 
The faith in the heart of the people is what? They were hungry for the things of God. They were hungry for, the, for, for, for everything God had. And before Peter could even get preaching about Jesus, get through preaching, boom. God just pours out the Holy Spirit in them all. And they're all getting to speak in tongues. Peter turns to the rest of them and says, man, we lost control of the meeting, boys. He said, let's see if we can get them to the river. So the second thing I'm telling you is after you're born again and you know that you know that you know that you know that you're saved, you know it down in here, you need to seek the relationship with the Holy Spirit. Now listen to me, I've seen all kinds of foolishness in life. I'm no novice at preaching. I'm no novice at being around Pentecostal churches and, 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 and charismatic churches. I'm not, I'm not a novice. I've seen all kinds of stuff. I've seen the real and I've seen the fake. I've seen emotion and I've seen the move of the Spirit of God. But I've always noticed something that the person who's truly moving in the things of God was truly 100% hungry for God. Other people got in on their hunger. And I'm telling you folks, today is the day for you to be at your house seeking God. Today's are the days that you need to be sitting with your family around your table seeking this same move of Acts chapter 10 in your life, the Holy Spirit to fall in your house for you to be filled, full to overflowing with the Holy Spirit at all times. Today is the day, folks, that you do not need to be laxed in your relationship, and you've got to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Why? Huh? John 14, 15, Jesus said, If you love me, you'll keep my commandments, and I'll pray the Father, and I'll give him another helper, that he may abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth in whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him, for he will, he will dwell for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I'll come to you. Jesus said, man, I don't want you left here. I'm going to sit at the right hand of the throne of God, but I'm going to pour the Holy Spirit on you. I'm going to give you the helper. I'm going to give you the one that's there with you to lead you and guide you and direct you. John 16, 13. He says, however, when the spirit of truth comes, he's going to guide you into all truth. He's going to speak of his, not of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. He's going to take from heaven what's going on in heaven and tell you. And he'll tell you things to come and he'll glorify me. And he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Hello? A relationship with the Holy Spirit. A relationship with the Holy Spirit telling you things to come. Telling you things to come. I can't tell you what's coming. Oh, I can speculate. Depends on really in what mood I'm in the day of what my speculation is. Some days I'm 1985 Red Dawn's happening next week. Other days I'm, oh, everything's great and glory, nothing, nothing going to happen. Okay? So you don't want my speculations. But you do want the Holy Spirit telling you what you should be doing and what you shouldn't be doing. When you have questions of what's right, what should we do or what should we do, you better be talking to the Holy Spirit and asking him to tell you what's coming off fresh off the throne of God into your life. And I've heard Christians say the dumbest things in life. Well, I don't know about the Holy Spirit stuff. You know, it kind of scares me. Man, you're an idiot. Because you want everything God's got. I'm telling you. And the same God who saved you is not going to lead you off down a road full of devil tongues or anything else. You better get yourself on, on track with the Holy Spirit. Listen to me. Only way you're going to get off is your heart's wrong. Third thing. John 6.33. No. John 6.63. 663. Jesus said, The Spirit, it is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The word that I speak to you, their spirit and their life. Jesus said, The words I speak to you, their spirit and life. Listen to me, church. The third thing is you've got to get hold of. First, you've got to be born again. You, second one is you've got to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And the third thing is this word is alive. You've got to read it. You say, Oh, Pastor, you're just preaching the same old message again. I know because it's not working. I mean, do you know how hard it is for me to get myself encouraged every week to come up here and say, dear God, i got to say the same thing again. Lay in the bed. My wife says, get up. You're the preacher. you got to go to church. Now, you, are, you guys are good folks. You guys are learning and growing, but, but I, I get concerned because, see, I, I, I'm telling y'all, I'm going to say it. I do not want to be a false prophet. If I am, y'all can come slap me silly. If I'm wrong, but I'm telling you, I do not think things are going well for us. And I think things are going to get worse. And I know that when it gets worse, you're not going to know what to do. And you're going to call me. 
And you better hope I'm in a good mood that day. And I heard from heaven, because if I didn't hear from heaven, you don't want to hear what Robert Natural Richards has to say. A person said to me this the other day, and this is bad, I'm sorry. I know I'll catch some flack on this one, but it was just too funny. A person said to me the other day, said, you know, I'm, I'm kind of thinking things are getting kind of bad, and I'm kind of thinking about buying a gun. And I looked at him, you know what I said? I said, nah, I don't even get one. I said, if you hadn't gotten one by now and already been training and practicing, you just don't probably need one. Just get a stick. Stay home. We've got to have the living word. Folks, listen to me every day. I, I have said this. My wife can tell you this is the one true thing about me. All right. I get up every morning. And I read my Bible. And I have done that since the day I got saved. OK, so from 1985 till now, this morning, I'm reading. I don't read to get a message. Now, I will say there's a few times in my life that I, I don't know, got off, whatever. And I had to play flip open the Bible message. Where I went like this. Okay, what does it say? Okay, I hope that's good. Can I make a message out of that? I've done that a couple of times. I have to admit it. But it was always an amazing message. And somebody afterwards came up and told me, that's the best message I think you ever preached. I was like, <laughs> if you knew how I got it, I just flipped to the Bible and put my finger down. But I read my Bible because as I read my Bible, it comes alive to me. It starts talking to me. It starts lining things up. It starts talking to me of things that I'm praying about, thinking about, going around about everything. It just comes alive to me. I'm reading it, and it's just like it's leaping off the page. And I'm like, this is amazing. Look at this, what it says. And I tell my wife, she comes up. She always gets up later than I do, and I've got a message. And I've preached to her every morning for 41 years. Well, they're about. Because it's alive. Now, I'm not special. I'm just born again. I just have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And I do the third step. Let the living word of God that's able to cleanse your soul come into you. If you're not hearing from heaven, I can tell you why you're not hearing from heaven. You're not reading your Bible. It's that simple. It's not complicated. It's harder to get in shape physically than it is spiritually. It's just, are you going to apply yourself to it? Because the word's alive. Hebrews 4.12 says, The word of God, it's living, it's powerful, it's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the vision of the soul and the spirit, the joints and the marrow. It's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. The word's going to keep you straight. But folks, it's easier to get spiritually in shape than it is physically in shape. Because you don't sweat spiritually. It's the truth. You can put yourself on a regiment and get spiritually stronger Easier than you can physical, because you're going to sweat somewhere along the line, you're going to talk yourself out of it. And it's always, well, start Monday. But Monday never comes. All right? The fourth thing is Proverbs 14.27. Proverbs 14.27. It says, the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life to turn one away from the snares of death. Folks, there is no healthy fear of God in the land. Okay? Now listen to me. I believe that there are millions and millions of God-fearing Americans today. I don't believe that you're the only one. Don't get into the Elijah syndrome that you're the only one that's left out there. There's a lot of people that love Jesus, love God, okay? But you've got to understand the fear of the Lord. As an example, you go to 2 Chronicles, Old Testament, 2 Chronicles 19.4. Jehoshaphat was setting up in the land rulers, Okay. He's setting the rulers up in the land so that they could begin to judge and everything that was going on. And he says in here, um, he says, take heed for what you are doing, for you do not judge for man, but for the Lord who is with you in the judgment. Now, therefore, let the fear of the Lord be upon you. Take care and do it, for there is no iniquity with the Lord our God, no partiality, no taking of bribes. So he says, to these rulers, these judges, these magistrates that he's putting over the land, he said, look, realize, realize you're judging the children of Israel and, and you're ruling over them. That's God's kids. And so you be careful because they're his, not yours. And you better have the fear of the Lord in you so that you're going to do what's right. And I just believe that people do not have the fear of the Lord in them anymore. They have the fear of man. It's the fear of man. 
that's motivating people, not the fear of God. Because see, they don't see God sitting there. They see man outside. They see the protesters. They see this. They see that. They see that. And so that motivates them. They don't see God sitting there because they don't read their Bible. But if you have the fear of the Lord in you, it sets your moral standards of what's right and what's wrong. You're not going to cheat somebody. Listen to me. You don't have to have a, 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 a nationwide law that says I shouldn't, I'm not going to be racist. I don't. I'm not going to be racist because the spirit of God on the inside of me touches my heart and says that's wrong. And I'm not going to do it because I have the fear of the Lord. No law is going to make me have the fear of God. Are you all with me? I mean, the more the more laws they make, the more lawless things seem to get. Because nobody wants to be told what to do. But the fear of God is different. The fear of God in a person puts a person on the right path and says, God, I just want to do, I don't want to, I don't want to get on your bad side. I'm amazed when I read through the Old Testament of how many kings after Solomon, how many kings would, would follow God, would rise up and, and, and their kingdom would be blessed and God would bless them. And then they would go conquer a kingdom somewhere and take his idols and bring them home and go to worshiping them. I'm like, are you stupid or what? Why would you go do that? Set them up, make a temple to them, go worship them. Then God would send the prophet and they're saying, what are you doing? The kingdom's going to fall because of that. Okay? So, born again, relationship with the Holy Spirit, the living word working within you, the fear of God, then begins to set your morals and your standards in life, and then it takes us to the fifth thing, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14, and this is where I'll get through. Hebrews 10, 14. For by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Now listen to me. So now that the process has got started in you, you got saved, got the Spirit of God on the inside of you. you got a relationship with the Holy Ghost going on. You've got the Word of God coming in you. It's feeding you. It's going through there. It's going. The fear of the Lord's beginning to lead you and guide you. Now, all of a sudden, this process starts kicking off. The motor starts working. The wheels start turning. The cogs start moving. The pulleys are turning around. The belts are slipping. It's called the sanctification process. Something's working in you. Now, this is what I said last week, and I think some people didn't like it too much. Because if your sanctification process has stopped, how do you know if your sanctification process stopped? Because you're not any stronger this year than you were last year. Then the sanctification process has stopped in you. Proverbs says if you faint in the day of adversity, it's because your faith was small. If you're not growing, listen to me, folks. I don't care how old you are. I've been a Christian 700 years. You should be stronger than you were last year. I don't care who you are. You ought to know more words. You ought to be sharper in the words. You ought to be seeing more things take place. You ought to be overcoming things. You ought to be woo, 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 woo. Because we got it's a process. We're... It's not like you just got saved. Okay, I'm perfect. I'm just waiting to die and go to heaven. No, it's a sanctification process. You're doing more. You're doing more. You're doing more. God's moving in you. All of a sudden, man, you're, 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 you're getting a better flow going in life. You're stronger than you are. Things that used to just, you know, when we first got saved, you know, I didn't know the word. I, I'd never read the Bible. I've been to church all my life. But I never read the Bible. Didn't know anything about the word. And, and I remember, you know, I was, trying to, I was trying to get into this understanding the word and God was going to work for you. And I remember our toilet stopped up. And it was, we were in a rent house, and the person that owned the rent house wouldn't do anything about it. And, and we found out that it was a bad deal. There was roots in the lateral lines of an old system. And, and I, remember, I remember being devastated because we had no money. And I remember looking at my wife and saying, oh, my God, what are we going to do? I mean, our whole life has come to an end. We can't use the toilet. We have no money to be a plumber. Oh, my God. Am I right? It was horrible. It was like, like, like I'd just been 
diagnosed with cancer or something. I mean, it was like the hugest, biggest thing in the world. We were crumbling to the ground. Oh, God, can you help us up? And you know what? We had a knock on the door in a little bit. Guy comes by and he said, I just thought I was supposed to come out here and talk to you all. He said, I, I heard you got a problem with your toilet. He said, I'm a plumber. I'll take care of it for you. And I was like, Jesus, you're really real. Oh, my God. He's going to fix the toilet. <laughs> I used to, in those days, try to keep a, a ledger, uh, a journal, you know, of what was going on, miracles. And I go back sometimes and I read it and I laugh at the things that I was believing God for. I mean, I just laugh. I'm like, because see, I didn't have, we, didn't, we were broke, folks. We were not like broke, like, like, and just didn't have any money in one account. We were broke, man. We're like, we like regularly dug through the cushions trying to find change. And so uh, we were at the, we had nowhere to go. Totally 100% dependent on God. And I'm going to tell you something, those are some of the best days of my life because I saw God do miracle after miracle after miracle. And they were, may have been a $5 miracle, but it was a huge miracle for us, you know? And seeing God move and seeing those things take place, it became real. The process became real. Now I look at things, and I'll tell you all, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll just tell you, I, I told uh, Bethany, the other day, we were having a conversation with her. And I said, look, I saw the video. It looks great. It's unbelievable because y'all are the first people got to see it. It hadn't even been released. And uh, I said, I looked at it, but I don't like that creative house. I said, it, you know, it needs to get through with it. And so we'll go ahead and commit all the money, whatever the funds are. I don't care what it takes. We'll finish that creative house for those kids. We'll do it. We're talking hundreds of thousand dollars. But I couldn't have believed for my toilet if I wouldn't have had that victory back there for that toilet to get fixed, to have the belief and the faith that we could do the hundreds of thousands now. You see what I'm saying? It's a sanctification process. It's got to be working to you, but some of you have stopped. Some of you have quit. Some of you have given up. Some of you think this is only, man, the glory is still ahead. I'm not even halfway there. I was driving down the road one day, 20 years ago, telling, asking God, when is it going to happen? When is it going to happen? You know, come on, Lord, what about the, my, I mean, it seems like I bound, we're bound to be at the end of my book here. And he said, Robert, we hadn't even got through the, the front page of the index of the book. You ain't even got started. And I felt like I was finishing. So that's why I say I'm, maybe I'm halfway now. I'm still believing for the greatest things to come. I'm still out there stretching my faith out, believing for great, mighty things. I haven't got it all figured out. I'm going to get more. I'm going to have more revelations. If you hang around me, you're going to find out more and more and more because I'm going to let the sanctification process work in me. I'm not going to be some stale old dead preacher. If that happens, y'all rope me and drag me out of here. You probably will. Probably don't need to beg it. I probably need to pray for mercy. Are y'all with me? So I'm challenging you this morning. Five simple things. Five simple things. Do you know that you know that you know that you're born again? I mean, I'm asking this morning. I'm asking all out there on the broadcast. Do you know that you know that you're born again? If you don't, if you have a doubt, if you say, well, I hope so, that's the wrong answer. Hear me now. That's the wrong answer. The answer is, yes, I know right here. It happened then. You know it. Okay. What about the Holy Spirit? If you ask him to come into your life, baptism in the Holy Spirit is simple. You don't have to get Pentecostal. You don't have to come up here and get down on your knees and, 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 and you know, beg and atone or do anything like that. You've got to ask him just like you do for the for get saved, the same, same faith that got you saved, same faith that gets you baptized in the Holy Spirit. When you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, then the gifts of the Spirit can start to work and operate in your life. Third thing, are you reading your Bibles with not just reading your Bibles, not just going over the page that, well, I got through that chapter. Are you looking at it and asking the Holy Spirit to speak to you? Are you looking at it? Are you approaching it as the holy, holy word of God that's going to leap off the page and talk to you? What about the fear of God? What about the fear of God in your life? Is it setting your morals or are people setting your morals today? And the last thing is, What's the sanctification process in your life? Have you, has it stopped? Has all the steam gone out of your engine? Have you been like one of those steam engines on the, on the track that just went, and you got no steam? You're not moving? You're not, any, you're not even stronger. You're not even any stronger of a Christian right now than you were last year? 
oh yeah, we've had some crazy things this year, pandemic and all this kind of stuff like this. But I mean, folks, we should walk through these obstacles and come out on the other end of it stronger. That's what Christians do. We overcome and become more than conquerors. Amen? So put your Bibles up and stand to your feet. Let me have my prayer team come down, please. Folks, listen to me. I say it every week, but that's why the prayer team's up here. If you need prayer, we're here for you. If you don't know that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior of your life, do not leave this building. Come up and talk to one of these people. Amen? If you're out there watching the broadcast, right where you are, you can ask Jesus to come into your life. Just simply stop and do what I said. Just ask Jesus to come into your life. Be it sincere from your heart, and he'll touch you. But I want to pray for you. Because I believe y'all guys are the salt of the earth. I believe y'all are the best of the best. But I believe God's going to take us all. He's going to just grow us a little more. And we're, man, whoo, if we're already the best of the best, imagine we're going to be like those elite Delta Special Force team. I mean, flying ninjas around everywhere. And I believe you're the ones that are going to do it. Amen. So let's pray. Father, I just declare right now in Jesus' name. Lord, as I've preached this word today, I believe it's your word. Let it go out to the people. Let it touch their hearts. Let it touch into their ears. Lord God, that they will know, that they know that they know that Jesus, that you're the Lord and Savior of their life. I thank you, Lord. You gave us a Holy Spirit that, that, that that was a relationship with us to tell us what was to come. And Lord, I declare that your word, we love your word. We chew your word. We eat your word, Lord God, and it's a living life to us. It's the bread of life to us, Lord, that comes into us and that leads us and guides us and shows us. Father, I declare today that we're going to walk in the fear of God. I pray for the fear of God over our lives. That, Lord, we will not act outside of what your word tells us as Christians we should act. I declare, Lord God, that the sanctification process that has been started in us is going to continue in us, that today people are fired up. I declare today, people, Lord, that today, Lord, you throw some extra coals on the fire, that they produce more steam, more power, more sanctification going on in their life. So, Lord, I ask you to bless them. And don't let them ever be the same after today, Lord. I thank you for this message settling into them and settling into their hearts. And Holy Spirit, you bring it all to pass. The Lord bless them. Right now, in Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. God bless you, church. We're here to pray for you up front if you want.